Hello all and welcome to edition 115 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that prides itself on not seeing something coming. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you all safe and well. On the way, has the PNE dropped? Angry to within an ins of their careers and new manager, same Watford? We'll work through all that and more with our guests this evening and they are... Oh, I've almost said the wrong thing because um, get well soon, Steve. Um, he's 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 uh, he's poorly and resting up, which is fair. So in that case, I will say that we are joined by uh, author of the official history of Norwich City and purveyor of fine jumpers. It's Zoe Morgan. Hi, Michael. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much. We also have a true on the ball original, former Norwich Marshal of the Press, Ben Mounser. Good evening. And... Former Norwich City Head of Content and Programme Editor, Dan Brigham. He's not going to say hello. Oh, he's muted, that's why. (laughs) There we go. Hang on, hang on. So just uh, just in case anyone was wondering, I said, hello, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness me. And can I also point out that the guests don't unmute themselves, the uh, the host unmutes the guests. Well, you say that, I didn't unmute Zoe or Ben. I prepared myself just in case. I know. I don't know what happened. That shows a lack of faith in the host, I think. Yeah, it's probably best. So there we go. Maybe I just didn't want to hear from you, Dan. No, that's not true. Um, well, there we go. That's a rip rip roaring start to the podcast. Uh, but thank you for joining us all. Uh, I hope everyone out there as well too. Um, how are we? Uh, let's go around the table first. Zoe, how are you? Uh, good. Just about recovering from the journey home on on Saturday night. Uh, as you, I think we've mentioned before drive back to Yorkshire after the games and there was a big portion of the A17 shirt. So took a nice detour around Grantham, which re- it really it just really helps after a win to have an extra half hour added to your long journey back, I think. I, I can imagine. So do you have to travel back to Yorkshire after every home game? Yeah, I mean, don't make the midweek games usually, but yeah, on a weekend, there and back in a day on the Saturday. Delightful, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, well, um, at least that was, you know, at least uh, that was two days ago now, pretty much. Yeah. Um, uh, Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, uh, I can only apologise to anyone listening because I am Steve's very late last minute replacement uh, on this podcast. Cause, so get well soon, Steve. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. Indeed. Um, um, pleased to say I passed my maths test to get in here to replace him. Uh, that, <laughs> have you got a massive spreadsheet that I can ask you all about? Over the <laughs> no, it's just what's my favourite number, which um, which I seem to pass with flying colours. Excellent. Well, I will ask you that question before the podcast is over and you can tell us exactly what your favourite number is. I look forward okay. to the answer to that and I'll give you a whole <laughs> podcast to think about the answer. I can give it, I can give it to you now. Uh, well, there, there would go the suspense. You know, okay. yeah, Steve would have never said that, Dan. Yeah, I've got no nose for drama, sorry. No, so wait, wait, and then I'll probably forget. Um, <laughs> ben, how are you? Looking very dapper tonight, very dapper for those watching. Well, well, thank you very much, although I'm the only one of us not wearing a notable jumper. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like your one, Michael, in particular. It looks like something that Harry Hill might wear in a sad evening. You know, he wears those big, like, collars. It's kind of something you might put on when he's feeling a bit down. <laughs> yeah, so it's very, it's very much my "I'm not leaving the house today" kind of jumper. So, um, and then I forgot I was on a podcast. It's great. Here I am. It's very, <laughs> which is uh, something we'll probably have to, you know, jumpers. They are the future for all of us. Um, well, lovely. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us all. Um, those of us watching us live um, on your chosen social media platform as we record the pod, um, we do want to hear from you. So, get your comments and questions in. Uh, they could be on absolutely anything I've written here. So good luck with that. Uh, and if you want to contribute, or favorite numbers, give us all your favorite numbers. Why not? That'd be nice. Uh, and if you want to contribute to something, but you are not listening live, have no fear. You can email us with your story or comment, whatever you want to say. The address is Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at, our, at iCloud.com. Because if you write at OwlClyde, you probably won't get through. Um, right, i tell you what, let's crack on, shall we, with this week's Headline Act. Yes, the headline act is football. There was two footballs. 
uh, of matches um, lasting 90 minutes that took place involving Norwich City since we were last on a podcast. And those were exceptional. I think we'd all agree. A 1-1 draw at Reading, which was a laugh a minute. And then we had the, the calamity of <laughs> Preston uh, <laughs> Preston winning 3-2 at Carrow Road on Saturday. Um, carnage it was in a football sense. Um yeah, so uh, no victories for this week, which is uh, which is obviously we, we've now a forgotten what that was like from how well this season's gone, but also remember from last season just exactly what this is like. Um, uh, so the first question I've got written here, and I'm going to address it to you, Zoe. Has this been coming? I mean, in so much as it is a football league season, and it's very rare for a team to go through it uh, winning every single game. I would say you're bound to have. A spell where you don't win, um, you don't win for a couple. I think the fact that we've only lost one in this big long spell is pretty commendable. It's it's always the best best thing to do in the championship if you want to have a good season is just go through big spells of not losing, um, and we've managed to do that. Um, if you're trying to suggest that perhaps we've played poorly and been winning, uh, potentially. Uh, I actually thought we probably played worse this season um, than we did on Saturday and won, uh, but we lost. Um, so these things kind of come round, um, I think. So whether it's been coming or not is, I don't know, possibly a little bit unfair. I think we make a lot of mistakes. So um, until you cut those out, you're not going to stop conceding goals, perhaps goals you shouldn't be conceding. Um so perhaps that was coming in terms of <laughs> several goals that might not have happened otherwise um, on Saturday. I think it sort of all just came out. I think you predicted, Michael, that it was going to be four all or something ridiculous because of Preston's record. <laughs> and it nearly came true. I mean, it could have come true quite easily. Um, we could have scored a lot more if we'd have taken our chances and we could possibly have conceded more as well. So um, it's in the grand scheme of everything, I suppose it's not too disappointing um but maybe you know maybe in the long run having a, a loss like that um might help them sharpen up a little bit because if you get away with it um perhaps it doesn't concentrate the mind as much as if you don't it's the classic uh, not a failure more a learning opportunity which is obviously the kind of talk we love here on the on the ball podcast uh, i mean lots of people obviously were going along the line ben of uh you know, preston it will be nil nil because preston don't score and they don't concede and that's what it'll definitely be and i think that's probably what zoe was referring to is that i was much more of the oh we could get anything here because it's just going to be a bit nuts which it which it kind of was i mean i was quite impressed by pep impressed by preston which is not i was in preston basically i was i was fully in preston um but uh, but but then i wasn't because I, I also saw all the shortcomings so i couldn't really work out how good they were particularly and it, I, I, how much can we put it down to norwich just um i've just been really careless i thought it was just in, in lots yeah. of moments they just seemed to just be careless it wasn't complacency because they weren't being you know sort of snobby about it but it was it was just careless careless boys it was careless and it, it was a strange game to analyze really because in some ways it, it was really simple what happened you know we didn't take our chances we missed some and freddie woodman made some good saves and we made mistakes in critical areas and, and preston took their chances so they won the game it's quite simple really but what what that game and the circumstances around it tell us a, about this kind of broader I don't want to call it an issue, but this broader narrative around our season, um, it certainly, I think, surfaces more questions than it does answers. Um, but I agree with you, I think, and you made the po point in your piece on The Athletic, Michael, about Preston's oh, yeah, read it, plug, XG read it. and how, even though obviously the record before this game was ridiculous, having scored four and conceded four in 12 games, but actually they were underperforming in front of goal. Well, you know, they, they were both basically kind of, I think it was nine for each in terms of xg was. wasn't it it was so um, from open play only as well there we go and you know if you present someone like emil reese jacobson with those types of chances you know an unmarked header in the box and a free shot in the area um from 15 yards then someone of that quality is going to take them but yeah i think um there are a few things 
that we can chat about from this game. The first one being the system that Dean Smith deployed from the, from the beginning, which, I mean, it was a diamond. He, it was he, definitely not a diamond. I mean, I was, it definitely you know, was a diamond. Well, <laughs> Dean Smith, I th- the problem was it was a diamond and it wasn't supposed to be. I think that was actually the problem in the end. <laughs> yeah. And then the sudden kind of falling off of a cliff that happened after 20 minutes and how we really f- kind of failed to regain any kind of control after that. And... Um, yeah, so it's. Uh, <laughs> I feel. I feel. I don't know. There, there was. There were some positives, and the result could have been very different on another day. Um, Tammy Puki obviously missing two chances where you'd ex- expect him to put at least one of those away, and as I said, Woodman made some good saves as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel. I feel a bit. I feel a bit down about it. Really, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's probably. It. I, I think it's. it's okay. I think it's probably the upcoming matches, like the next, which we'll talk about in a bit. The upcoming fixtures are really gonna kind of lay bare i think what this norris city team is and i'm not sure i want to know the answer no i i i still have um i still have the 2014 15 and 2016 17 campaigns rattling in the back of my head like a massive loose cog um which <laughs> is probably an apt description of my head at the moment uh, dan the the blame the blame game what what are we blaming what happened on Saturday on because I mean I made a glib comment there but essentially Dean Smith said that the midfield was supposed to be a, fl- a flatter three and then a 10 between that midfield and then the two strikers but the problem was that both the eights pushed on so it looked like a diamond but that meant that Gibbs had too much room to patrol and also Ramsey then had to drop deeper because there was more space behind him than in front of him and um, you're kind of like well <laughs> should have maybe sorted all that out I suppose but also that 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 was that was that one of the main issues. I mean, if you if you can see the first goal where basically it's gone down the entire flank and then the cross has gone in the box and no one's bothered to get within two yards of anyone involved in that move from the opposition, then I think I scored or probably conceded goals like that when I played Sunday league football. So it's like you know, duh. Oh, well, I think harsh, wasn't it? <laughs> carry on, <laughs> carry on. I, well, I think uh, it was noticeable that Gibbs was struggling in the first half particularly because he was left in oceans of space to patrol um in front of the defense and he you know he was hung out to dry a little bit but i think rather than just this being one formation being an issue i think the issue may be that dean smith keeps changing formation whether that's intentional whether he likes to mix it up i mean he didn't really at brentford or villa so if it's intentional then you know that's what he's trying that's what he's doing against setting a formation up against particular opposition, but it really kind of speaks of someone who's still not quite sure of their best squad, uh, best first 11, not quite sure of the best way to get the most out of the players at his disposal. He's gone from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3, and now a diamond that wasn't a diamond, and then after 60 minutes went back to a 4-3-3 as well. So to me, he's not quite sure how to balance um, being solid, which he obviously wants to do in, this championship, in the championship, as Zoe says, you don't lose, you tend to, if you go on long runs without losing, you tend to do well in this division. I mean, trying to balance that with being, with adding a bit more creativity and more go- and goal threat into the side as well. And I don't think he's got that quite right yet. I think part of that's probably come from the injuries we've had in central midfield as well. And it's also come from uh, Sarah, who was the big plus, I thought, on Saturday, probably not hitting the ground running in the way they may have hoped as well. So maybe now we've got a bit more competition with Sarah looking like the player we were hoping him to be. We might see, hopefully going forward, a bit more uh, control on games. Because that's one thing you lose, changing your formation is that lack of control. And that was really noticeable after the first 20 minutes on Saturday is after we dominated, press really high. And then I don't know whether it was a combination of Preston working out the fact we were in a different formation or whether our intensity levels just dropped as they have done throughout the season. I'm not sure which way around it is, probably a bit of both. But it was noticeable that we sort of lost control. And we have we had five minute spells, as we often do, ten minute spells where we look like we're gonna we could score at, at will, but then we have five or ten minute spells where we look like we could concede at will as well. And that's just that ongoing uh, ongoing concern. But it's also important to know we're still second in the league though. And <laughs> there are lots of other teams who are expecting to be second and or first in the league this season who have more troubles than we do currently. It's an interesting point there, though, because I would much rather... There are quite subtle tweaks to the formation, and I'd kind of quite like the idea that it 
that it changes. So I've, 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 and actually, I think do the same thing. Yeah. And I've, I was in the pub before the game and said, surely we're going to try like a, a diamond at some point because the players that played against Reading in wow. wasn't a diamond. In the system, <laughs> I'm calling it a diamond for the rest of this podcast. I'm not going to stop. Um, and like control has been, I think, one of the main themes of this season and some um, one of the main problems, like that lack of control that we seem to have in every game, really. But a system where we have essentially four central midfielders is designed to give us control, but we just fail to do it again. Um, and I think the control in that first 20 minutes is almost from how how high our tempo was and how high our press was. And obviously when that dropped off, we weren't able to then keep the ball in a way that... Um, allowed us to have control of the match and I think for me that this is the most concerning thing is how we're not able to do that how we're not able to have patterns of passing across the pitch to give us big spells of possession and control to push teams back and that starts from the very um, first player in the team the goalkeeper and we'll talk about Tim Krul in a bit I'm sure (laughs) but also I often see our defenders looking for a pass and they're not completely sure who to pass it to midfield you know we're not seeing the kind of combinations I think you'd expect especially from like a a four-man central midfield like a, in, in the first part of Saturday's game. That that system was designed to get Aaron Ramsey in his best position and, and feed him, and he didn't really do much at all. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of macro concern for me is, is that lack of um, cohesiveness, which has been spoken about before, but was evident again when we were trying to take back control of that game. <laughs> and all, I, I've said this before, but that, it's the desperation it seems to get both Puki and Sargent in the side, and playing two up top is probably the best way to get them in the side because they both want to play through the middle. And it does seem Dean Smith's absolutely desperate final formation that utilizes both of them. But you know, maybe maybe we need to go for Antal Deck rather than Ant and Deck in the side now because we're not going to get control in midfield if Sargent is playing on the right. You get control in the midfield with one of your ball players like Dowell or Sonani or. Cantwell. Wow. Well, famously, Anton Deck have never appeared on television at solo. So, like, this, that's just not going to happen. Apart from when Ant had his troubles and then well, Deck the troubles, yeah. Mm-hmm. The troubles. Yeah. And Deck was excellent in that period as well. <laughs> he really wrote, he really <laughs> stepped up his game. Came into his own there. Yeah. Stood yeah, on okay. both the left and the right at yeah, the same time. <laughs> are, we, are we saying that Deck is, is Temu then? Or, or the other way around? Or is that? Well, that's that's probably a, uh, after Dex troubles. No, Ant's troubles. That's probably a, that's probably one we can't answer. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. very true. Yeah, so I was thinking about it too narrowly. Let's uh, end that analogy and move on to a question that you sort of half teed up, Ben, which I'll come to you first on, Zoe. I mean, is there really a debate over who should be number one at the moment? I think there's got to be. Probably, I think we've got two very good goalkeepers and. You know, we signed Angus Gunn for a reasonable amount of money. We didn't sign him to be forever a number two. We didn't sign him as a 40-year-old just to keep collecting his wages and just be there as an experienced head. I'm sure he signed, hoping that he would be playing at some point. Um, and so that competition is there. He should be putting pressure on on Krull. And Krull's having one of his spells where he just sort of seems to lose concentration and... Um, you know, there's no denying that he is has got excellent reflexes. He can sh- stop shots most of the time. You know, he pulled off a really good save on um, in midweek against Reading. Um, but he he just seems to sort of have that sort of element of chaos going on in his mind or in his play that sometimes to me suggests that he's not kind of a hundred percent with it and whether you know there was all the stuff with the with the Netherlands and stuff going on and and whatever's happened there I don't know whether he's just not 100% concentrating and I think for some people that probably you know that little bit um being off wouldn't affect their game but I think cruel is a kind of very much led by his head sometimes and I think he has to be like 100% tied into a game to be really to be really on it and it doesn't feel like he has got that at the moment and what whatever that is it's leading to some um mistakes where we get ourselves into more trouble than we might it's leading to some goals that we're conceding that we might otherwise not have done um and i think you know what you guys have been talking about as well in terms of our passing um you know starting from the back moving forward 
it throws that off as well sometimes when he's not, you know, not 100% passing it um, as well as he could be. So I do, you know, I, I'm a big Tim Crawl fan and it, it would be a shame to see him lose his place. But at the same time, you know, Angus Gunn it, has played well in the recent times when he stood in, probably deserves an opportunity. Um, and if you're not going to drop a goalkeeper after the mistakes Crawl has been making, then you might not ever drop a goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's that's an interesting point to me because they, they all feel quite marginal, marginal mistakes. I don't know uh, who out of you, Dan and Ben, want to answer this. But, you know, I mean, I sort of looked at the goal Norwich conceded at Reading and thought, well, maybe he might have got there, but it wasn't like a clear error. And then, I mean, the third goal, it is a massive deflection. I know he got two hands on it, but you can't, just because he got close to it, you can't assume that therefore it was easy for him to have dealt with the with the um, deflection. And I appreciate that the pass wasn't entirely accurate, but also, I mean, Max was clearly on his heels, not for the first <laughs> time, by the way. And... um. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not, not not saying like I'm just mitigating everything he's done, but it, I, I, it doesn't feel like it, it's clearly obvious. But I am obviously always open to have disagreements. So go on, Ben. Dan, disagree. Show over. <laughs> well, I'll, um, I think to judge whether the third goal was a mistake, you just have to look at Tim Krull's reaction. I watched him for a couple of minutes afterwards and he was just walking around clearly like in his own head, really frustrated <laughs> with how um, he hadn't, kept that deflected cross out oh, but you um, know but that, that's hard because he might have been sitting there he might he might have known that it looked like it was his mistake when someone wasn't quite you know where they were supposed to be or hadn't reacted yeah. to it he was sitting there going i'm going to get the blame for this and it's not necessarily i'm just playing devil's advocate okay uh, yeah no like fair point um but yeah it's interesting and i agree with zoe like i think the intensity with which tim crawl keeps and is a like leader in the team when he's playing well you know that's his strength but I think it can also maybe be his weakness as well um, and I'm interested to know how that general kind of anxiety and panic that seems to um, take him over at the moment whenever the ball is near him whether that's permeating in a way to, to our defence as well and whether the, there just might need to be a slightly more um, nuanced approach to marshalling a defence that Angus Gunn might bring. It feels to me like a classic case of let's just take him out for a few games and and give Gunn a go and then, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. And obviously Angus Gunn came in for the Watford away game in the Premier League last season and that went quite well. Indeed. Dan? Yeah, I'd be interested because it, it feels that Cruel's passing and kicking as always flattered to deceive ever since he's come in he came in with a reputation as someone who could we could build out from the back with um but he's always had poor passes in him and sort of lazy passes like the one on saturday acres of space in front of him loads of time and yet he's threaded the ball between gibbs and aarons and i think it's a bit unfair saying aarons was on his heels he's not expecting the pass there and he's not facing that way of play as well um and it happens a lot. And I just, as Zoe says, that lacking intensity of thought when he's got that much time to think about the best place to pass a relatively straightforward pass for a goalkeeper, well, or for a professional football at that level. But, uh, you know, I don't watch every single game in the championship. I would be interested to know if maybe, actually, most goalkeepers in the championship are worse at passing than Tim Krull is. And he is actually, his stats are better than other goalkeepers. So I would be interested in seeing that. Maybe we just assume every goalkeeper should now pass up, pass out from the back like they're um, uh, in the Esther or something, you know, uh, that they should all be absolutely nailing every single pass. So maybe we are being harsh on him. But And equally, it is dangerous to change your goalkeeper. That's usually a sign of a season going wrong. We all remember Norwich City seasons when uh, goalkeepers have been swapped and changed a lot and it's a sign of things not quite working but equally we've got a very good backup he did play well last season in the Premier League his kicking wasn't great when he was with us either but you know he was at Southampton where uh, playing out from the back is uh, considered uh, one of the main things that they choose their goalkeepers on so I'd like to see if he's improved from kicking as well so it does feel like it, it's very much on the precipice of giving Angus Gunn a go and also as you mentioned, those last two seasons that, uh, that where we struggled, and particularly the one um, under Alex Neil, when it was this, um, or rather the first one under yeah Alex Neil, 
when we got relegated and it felt like we had a really great squad, but there was just something missing, that motivation missing. And we've got a lot of players in that side who've had two promotions under their belt. And you just wonder if maybe someone like Angus Gunn, who hasn't got a promotion under their belt, will instill that sort of sense of really, really wanting it. Brilliant stuff, everyone. Um, it is, yeah, it's that, it's that bit with, with the goalkeeper where you, you can give them a couple of games, but it's then what do you do after that? Because if it doesn't go well... What do you do? <laughs> and I suppose maybe, but that's maybe that's a risk that is sometimes merited. It's it does certainly yeah. lend itself to a fascinating situation. Can I just say we it should? Sound, we it sounds should. like Michael that you will be you would you would keep Tim in. I just don't. Th- I personally, I don't think I've seen quite enough to change it yet. I, I would probably say as well with Dan. I, I, I there were only. I I, I feel like um, goal in in general we probably do expect a little bit too much from Tim's distribution I think he does I think he's pretty good with his feet I think he's pretty consistent with it and and most a bit like playing golf but most people remember when you know there were really bad ones you're like oh look at him he can't pass the ball and I think sometimes that creeps in it's only like the top 11 top elite goalkeepers in the Premier League where you look at them and think wow they're just pinging stuff over there so um, that's what I I yeah, I, I think he maybe gets a little bit underappreciated for for how good his distribution is generally, and I wouldn't change it yet. But um, the, the most useful so, yeah. form of distribution for him at the moment would be to just play it up to Josh Sargent, who will attract three or four defenders and just throw them off. Get it long and play off Josh. That's the way. Yeah. Let's just do it. Let's just Josh, do it. Josh, Andy, Carroll, Sargent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Andy might be free in in January, so you can pick him up maybe as a. Free. That's a front two, isn't it? Anyway. Carol and Sergeant. <laughs> the ball will stick, I think is a technical term. Um, can, uh, so right. can, I just, can I just say quick, very quickly that yes, it's, go, we should give Reading and go, Preston yeah. credit as well because they both knew their game plan and both played really well to their game plan. Reading were excellent, probably deserved the three points. I don't think Preston deserved the three points, but they did play well. Sam Byram should have been sent off after, what, 25 minutes or whatever it was, and we should have been down to 10 men for that time. And Sam Byram's tackle, by the way, is probably a symptom of that carelessness that is in our game at the moment. There's absolutely no need on that area of the pitch to go in like he did. Although it was only really on the replay, I I realised it should have been a red card. Although when the snake pit started booing um, the player he'd fouled, sorry, forgive me, I've forgotten his name, Adam Adam Brown, Brown, then you kind of thought it probably is a red card then. (laughs) <laughs> it was a horrendous challenge it looked so bad just on the first replay it looked quite bad it was quite in front of us but yeah uh, we all agreed he should have been sent off for that challenge yeah yeah Kenny was very good at left back in the second half I thought well yes I mean that probably does move us on to things we are not going to talk about are we not going to talk about Kenny McLean at left back or um no I'm not <laughs> um, I'd love to Go on, do you, go on. Do you want to talk? Uh, about are we it? moving it? Is there not a sting for but, this section, or is, well, well, the idea? Is, no, there isn't actually. No, I've never done a sting no. for this section, which is fine. No. And it's, uh, it's um, it have you not? Fun. You love a sting. I You've got sting for stings. I know. You could yeah, sing us one, Michael, if you wanted. Um, in the voice of Dean Smith, going to talk about. Hmm? It's very good. Yeah, that'll stick. Yeah, you cannot talk about Kenny if you want, Ben, briefly. Well, I just I, I agree with Dan. I think he was he was excellent. Um, almost mistake free in that second half, and um, scored a lovely goal into the bottom corner, which um, obviously secured us that three three draw. So uh, that was great. Love that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't amuse me how many people talk about Kenny McLean's uh, mistakes, especially on Twitter, when they can't spell his name right. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. If you can't, if you are making the mistake of not spelling his name right, it's very difficult to then criticise him for making mistakes with a football. But can these people on Twitter play an accurate square ball, though? Well, maybe they can. You don't. You don't have to be able to spell to play football. I think we could all vouch for that. But can I just make another point? I think we are missing a left back. Um, I know we've had long Literally. periods of time over the last. Yeah, I mean, we are missing any. You know, all our left backs. <laughs> but. Um, like there's this thing about like wanting to control games and, and playing through the middle. Like I don't think Dean Smith wants his teams to play like long ball football. He's always played fairly good passing football. Every club he's managed, um, we're just failing to kind of pull that off at the moment. And I think part of that is that we just are not we haven't got that kind of fullback option. And I don't know why Max Aarons hasn't been involved more from an attacking sense, especially with that diamond formation where. And look, we've run into a lot of teams. Most teams this season have played three at the back against us, and a lot of people in the middle of the park and two strikers often eight of the 10 opposition outfield opposition players are in the middle of the pitch. So we need to try and get 
get the ball out wide, <laughs> but we haven't effectively moved the ball up the pitch in wide areas. Um, and part of that is just not having a um, a left back, really. And I think that's particularly evident against Reading when Sam Byram and Aaron Ramsey were playing down the left and Byram was bad. Um, <laughs> just bad. And uh, actually, Kenny McLean going into that role in, in the second half on Saturday showed and, and actually having an effect in possession and, and having a positive impact showed that we maybe are missing that, especially when we are, we are finding the middle of the pitch so congested. And our wingers, when we do play wingers, like especially like when Sargent's out there, they're not like possession wingers um, in the way that like a Todd Cantwell is. So maybe Cantwell coming back might help us control games a bit more. But That's good. Get Max Aarons more involved from an attacking perspective. We're not seeing enough of Max Aarons on the opposition byline, in my opinion. Good luck with that. Um, I have got at the top of my list here, uh, no Todd. He uh, he was training um, on the pitch at Carrow Road after the game, uh, but he wasn't in the squad. He only had a couple of days training. So uh, Todd Cantwell will soon be back once there's an opportunity to throw him into the squad. Who does Dean Smith leave out? You decide. You I mean, you don't, but you can have a think about it. Um, Isaac Hayden was also on that training session, which was interesting. It was nice. I've seen him play football um, up close now uh, in, in Norwich training kit. So uh, that's good. It presumably means he's not far off. Um, but uh, as Dean Smith said at Colney on Friday, he's not putting a time limit, a time frame on it now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's just see how he deals with the training load, I guess. That's exciting. Uh, anything else you, anyone, anyone doesn't want to talk about? Anything? anything? I've, got, I've got a psychological question. Uh, oh. <clears throat> Dean Smith, one of the most fascinating things about Dean Smith <clears throat> that I've noticed and it marks him out among basically every other manager in the football league. He wears different outfits every game. Like he does not have a set choice of clothes. Sometimes he's in a suit. Sometimes he's in just a nice smart jumper. Sometimes he's in full trackies. It's like there is no set way that Dean Smith dresses. No one else does this. And is this, a marker that Dean Smith is not currently a man who is confident with the decisions he's making. <laughs> wow. Maybe it's one outfit per formation. <laughs> I was thinking. Like if someone in the corner taker puts his hand up to tell them, you know, if it's low, near post, whatever, maybe his outfit is to tell the players what formation to change to. Yeah. It's like in an FA Cup final when the managers come out in a suit and then quickly get changed into a tracksuit just so they can feel comfortable. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, may- maybe he just doesn't know his best outfit yet. <laughs> Can you ask like, him on Friday? At the next I'd Friday. like to know if he wore the same thing when he was Brentford or Villa manager, if he had a set outfit, or whether this is a new thing, or whether right. he's always been like this. I want, I want and, you to take away this research, please, so then the next time you're on the podcast, you can answer these questions. And, and Michael, you 13 can games in, though. He should know his best outfit. <laughs> he should know his best does outfit. He, uh, does he wear the same outfit for his press conferences? Uh, yeah, I'd, say, I'd say that's pretty religiously training gear because he's then... You barely have time to check, do you? Because mm-hmm. don't they last about four minutes? <laughs> in and out jobs, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as soon as you brought that up, Zoe, I was thinking, how would I actually broach this as a question in a press conference? And I think my my swift answer was don't. So um, I, if, if you know no, me, you if it comes up and this, I have the opportunity, I, I will definitely somehow. You have to start it by saying this is a question from Zoe Morgan and then yeah. give Zoe's Twitter handle. And and some fans have noticed that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, might be one after a 5-0 win as well. But we'll yeah, carry The on. other way of looking at it, of course, is that he's a man extremely confident in his own skin and... Uh, uh, that you know he shouldn't worry too much about all these people that think he doesn't know what he's doing uh because he knows exactly what he's doing he's going to stick to it as well well it'll be it'll just be when there's a press conference and he'll, and someone will have asked him you know do you think you're getting the credit you deserve and he goes well i'm not sure it's up for others to say but i mean i i even saw the other day people were questioning what i was wearing and then we'll know he's a he's a listener <laughs> so that'll be great maybe he's just um that. he's been born into the unfortunate position where unlike farker he has no item of clothing that rhymes with his name that you can wear on a consistent basis like the Farker Parker. Smith. Smith. There's nothing when, when we see Craig Shakespeare turning up in a three-piece suit, we know things are... <laughs> <laughs> or dressed, or dressed as Shakespeare that's in those... That's what ruffles. I was going to say. <laughs> ruffle. <laughs> ruffle, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michael, I've, I've got... Um, 
two quick things that's all right just for this okay yeah um, cool. the things we're not going to talk thing... about <laughs> i didn't have dean smith dress sense on here <laughs> no, carry on another random one is uh, Mar- marcelino nunez's instagram post from today where he clearly i saw you like this zoe um have you seen this michael is this really, is, well no, maybe i don't know but what you, he, well you... he he's clearly on his day off on sunday went to london and has Londres. posted the most whole, wholesome gallery of images with um with his partner and it was absolutely wonderful um the best one next being to a yep. phone box with his thumb up it's like this is a good thing and it indicates it's good i love him and, one two three um, four <laughs> the one that under nine was my favorite actually where uh it's one of those photos that's taken by like a camera and you pay like 15 quid for the photo and it's just like him going like, hey. And it's oh, yeah. branded at lastminute.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I just want to quickly mention as well, sorry, Michael, I'm dragging this out, but um, just a reminder for everyone that this season is the 10-year anniversary of Norwich winning the FA Youth Cup. And I want to give a quick shout out to Jacob Murphy and Carlton Morris, two players from that team who... Um, Jacob Murphy scored his first Premier League goal at the weekend. So no, um, was it re- credit was it? to him? Yes, was it really. Um, and wow. while I didn't realize New- that, yeah, while Newcastle are um, obviously blessed, blessed in quote marks with um, riches, it's it's great to see one of our own still making an impact up there and actually um, having probably. Well, certainly his best season at, at that level. Um, and Carlton Morris got player of this player of the month for September in the championship after scoring four goals. Um, oh, dude. I think I, I was working at the club and obviously followed that Youth Cup win very closely. So maybe I have more of a sort of interest in following ha- the journeys of all of those players. But I think um, it's just nice, isn't it, to see a couple of lads who actually have gone through quite a lot. Both of them, I mean, Carlton's had a lot of injuries. Both of them have had an incredible amount of loan spells. Um, I'm going to throw a quiz question at you. How many loan clubs have Carlton Morris and Jacob Murphy played at combined? <laughs> wow. Is there some overlap? While they're at Norwich. Is there some overlap at Norwich. with loan clubs? Uh, what, what do you mean? What? No, no I'll many. tell you now. Oh, Jacob Murphy, I mean, he I had... Gonna, I was going to guess. Can I still guess? Yeah, yeah. So how many did Jacob Murphy have from Norwich clubs on loan? I reckon Jacob probably had about four and I reckon Carlton six, so I'm going to say ten. Jacob, I reckon three, Carlton, six, nine. Zoe? I was going to go two and four, but that's probably very conservative. So it's six each. Ooh. So Jacob Jacob Murphy's six loans were at Swindon, Southend, Blackpool, Scunthorpe, Colchester and Coventry. And while he's been at Newcastle, he's also been on loan at Sheffield Wednesday and West Brom. So he's played for 10 clubs, including Norwich and Newcastle. And, you know, the FA Youth Cup win was 10, 10 years ago, less yeah. than 10 years ago. So, um, And Carlton Morris, Oxford, York, Hamilton, Rotherham, Shrewsbury and MK Dons. Um, so I think for all, you know, for all those young footballers listening to this podcast, it just goes <laughs> to show that you may be farmed out on loan to loads and loads of fairly mediocre EFL clubs. But if you keep at it, then you can win Championship Player of the Month awards and score for Newcastle against Brentford. I mean, in front of the no, of, no offense, Ben, but Harry Kane did it better in his foundation release video today. But it was essentially the same thing that you just said there. <laughs> no, well, well done. Uh, oh, I should also point out. I mean, Cam, Cam McGeehan, who captained that team, is playing in the mm-hmm. Belgian top flight, isn't he? Still, Ustend might be where he is. He yeah. was, was there. And Harry Toffolo has started for Forest tonight in the Premier League. Oh, well. fantastic! So, um, back in, back in. And there are also a lot, a lot of, a lot of that squad who have obviously had journeys outside of football. Harvey Hodd founded a tech startup and is doing quite well there. So, you know, it's interesting to see which paths they've all taken. Um, Didn't there's know a, there's that a piece one. of the Athletic, Michael. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, grab <laughs> that. There is a piece on the FA Cup, FA Youth Cup uh, win um, on the Athletic from 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 a while ago that I wrote. Um, and I'm looking forward to that, your that's very 10 year anniversary pieces next May as well, Michael. That'll be great. I'll just read yeah. no, 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 like a 2000 word updates in the world. No, just read where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I might have to write that down. In my can I add a couple of things to not talk about as well? Yes, go, go just, for it. Yes. Just jot it down. Uh, referees, uh, not, um, not content with getting penalty decisions wrong, sending wrong players off, uh, but also wanting to take part in the game as well. Darren Bond against Reading probably had more touches than several of our players at one point. And before he'd started getting in the way 
in terms of actually being hit by the football was noticeably in the way obstructing sort of passing lines from most of our midfield. And then in the second half, it all fell apart for him and he got hit three times by the football. <laughs> no Neil Barry, though. You know, he's come off his back and fall to Mullers. That's what I mean. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, and the other thing is I'd like to not talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold so we can be the only football podcast not to at the moment. Clearly. Um, <laughs> although someone, I did see somewhere post that he was... Um, oh, no, Frank LeBeuf, apparently, for some reason was talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold and he said that his, his defending was no, no, no better than championship level, to which I saw some sort of Instagram account suggest that Norwich should sign him. <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah. You know, it seems a bit harsh. Anyway, how, hey, about, how much championship football does Frank LaBeouf watch? Do we think? <laughs> well, this is it. I don't know. <laughs> Loads, probably. Maybe it's a new line I, for him. I bet he knows more about the passing quality of the championship goalkeepers, Dan, than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, do, you remember, do you remember when Pep said that he used to watch Norwich City? Because when Daniel Fark was it, do you, do you think he still does? Someone on Tuesday, was it you who tweeted that? Someone on Tuesday no? night tweeted that. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it pop up and it just said, you know, he still watches, watches Norwich. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a funny spell, wasn't it? Um, I was no, just, he's, definitely uh, watch, he's watching Vincent Company's Burnley, isn't he? That's what, he, that's what oh, he's yeah, watching. Oh, yeah, I absolutely yeah. expect to see that when they draw them in the third round of the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> Uh, Norwich City women are playing Cambridge City uh, Tuesday night down at the Nest. Go along. That'll be great. Um, uh, I didn't want to talk about uh, Lauren Hemp doing a great job as England's new number nine. That was good to watch. Um, I didn't want to talk about the fact that there are out of 24 championship clubs, nine have got a new manager since the start of the season. It's October. It's not barely October. What is that about? I think I saw something that said uh, Paul Ince is the 10th longest serving manager. And I think he took over in the, in the summer, um, which is just, and he, what an angry man, both him and his son are, by the way. I don't know what, what's happened there, but I've, I've never seen some people get so annoyed about a throw-in that was quite clearly given the right way. Um, and uh, get well soon, Christos Jolis, believe he's, uh, injured his knee ligaments he's on loan at fc20 so that's um that's sad hope he uh, is back in the new year uh, fully fit and functioning uh and of course the one thing we haven't spoken about actually properly was the disallowed goal from old kenneth uh at the end of the preston game um the only one here think well it should have stood is that the right question i don't know i mean no well, one thinks it was a foul right he couldn't yeah. give that foul surely we no it's not a foul but once he's blown you can't then give the goal yeah. can you well, no, no. That, that 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 goal doesn't exist because the mm. whistle had gone. So therefore, all of the other players were out of kind of play. Okay, so that's the question. Does anyone think yeah. it would have been a goal had the whistle not blown? I mean, <laughs> as in, well, a player might have blocked it because uh, they yeah. might not have stopped. But who knows? I mean, it was a good hit right into the bottom corner. The keeper was beaten, but it may well have been blocked. I think it would have been. On, having watched it back numerous times, I think it would have been. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Uh, well, I think that's all the things we're not going to talk about. Oh, how about oh, Grant, uh, Grant Hanley? Grant, oh, 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 what? Go on, oh, go, on. No, go on. Russell Martin, Grant Swansea Hanley. being three points behind Norwich. Go on, yeah. Ben. Oh my God! Grant <laughs> Hanley's um, work for our second goal was absolutely fantastic. He just it was. closed um, and then played a lovely, cute little pass into Tamu. And then Gabriel finished it with a plomb. We we got to speak to him after the after the game with his translator. That was fun. Big fan um, of um, when he wa- when he wants the ball, he claps. Sarah just claps. He claps the ball. Yeah, does he? <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> Thus, creating the most rousing atmosphere, Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> Get him on that scaffolding by the big screen. <laughs> deal with those comments. It's the new Andy Hughes. Um, That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, let's go through some questions quick. Um, yes, George Hod- Hodgkinson asked if we thought it was a red, which we said it was. Yes, indeed. Alex is saying, I'm now an ex Aston Villa expert. Don't know what you're talking about, Alex. Um, uh, oh, Alex also asks, uh, Watford and Sheffield United away ends have been sold out. Do you know if there will be any more tickets made available? Does anyone know the answer to that one? I don't, I don't think know. I'm, I'm going to Watford, easy. though. Are you? Yeah. It's on the telly, Ben. You didn't need to go. I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, I hope you enjoy that. Um, yeah, I, I You'll like be there, won't you, Michael? I'll be there. I'll be there. It's on the telly, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, in the press box. Yeah. 
That'd be good. Um, I did miss the drum at Carrot, I thought, because the drum at the away, two away games was was very good. Thought, and I noticed the platform has disappeared, or it certainly wasn't in the place it was. So um, that experiment is dead then, clearly. Um, Simon Duarte says, it was a shame we didn't have a midweek game to put it right immediately, which I'm guessing was a pressure one. Dean Smith said, said likewise. Um, he does believe that the careless mistakes can be ironed out. Yes, indeed. Uh, George Hodgkinson comes up with uh, Preston have three full internationals in the midfield who were very experienced and took control, which is a very good point. Alan Brown is a very good player, um, even after being studded in the shin. Um, Andrew Fitz. Well, Robbie Brady, Michael, what did you make of his deployment? That was interesting, wasn't it? That was good. I, could, I had to double check that the cross was, 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 was with his right foot. It was a beauty, wasn't it? He obviously learned to use his right foot when he, Alex Neil played him at right wing back against Man City. <laughs> what he also did was uh, he, he sort of deliberately and very cynically fouled Max Aarons really badly and then sort of got up as if, to sort of be like, oh, I know you really well because I played here. And I don't know how well he really it, did know Max. And also was, Max is pretty grumpy and he's like, it, I'm not having this joke. You just literally got He tried hugged. to hug him. And it was yeah. it was one of my favourite moments from Saturday because he tried to hug him and be all friendly. And Max was like, don't ever touch me. It was, it was, it was really special. Yeah. He also tried to clap the Barkley and the Barkley just had a collective sort of... Hmm. <laughs> he didn't want to leave, bless him. It wasn't his fault. And he's had a very difficult time of it since, so it's great seeing him playing, to be honest. And I'm glad the injury wasn't, or hopefully Touchwood wasn't that bad, because he did go off with one. Uh, Andrew Fisk, uh, Andrew, slightly weird watching the podcast from Chile, Norfolk, rather than the Philippines. Well, that's exciting. Get to the Luton game. How nice. I hope, hope all is well in the Philippines well, well, whilst you were there, which you're obviously not now. Um, anyway, Paul Frake. Uh, Krill needs to retire from the international scene. Louis van Gaal doesn't seem to want him... I've read that. Yeah, only as a fourth backup or for catching practice. Is that an official goalkeeper thing? That's a, <laughs> that's a good one. But yeah, yeah, it could well be. I mean, he may well have just been retired, Paul. That might have, <laughs> might have physically happened. Uh, Ma- uh, some Zoe support here. Mark, Mark is with you on Quill. There you go. Um, and then there's one. Oh, wrong buttons. They're not buttons. No buttons aren't working. Let's try this one. Ed Ivins. Bookie needs to be removed. <laughs> <laughs> just end it there and let Sergeant and Ida have game time yeah, Adam bless him. well Ida's injured person. isn't he so yeah. that's not but there you go uh, also time for Gunn to be given a chance to impress yes Ed but what happens if he doesn't I'm riddled um, right uh, well that was great um, it's not over though we've not finished because it's time for a sting which I know everyone has been desperate to hear it's been a while since we've had a sting uh, and let's bring it out here a bit of John this is almost fantasy football Yes, indeed. And now this section has turned into me just having the August, August, October fixtures and then just ticking them off as we go along because it's obviously a big month, October, oh, big month. So um, obviously it started well, which was good. Uh, and then we've had no points. Oh, no, one point. Sorry. How dare I? Uh, from the second two games. Um, we've still got four nasty games coming up. And then I'm now I'm starting to worry about November because we've then got uh, QPR coming up and they're good. But before all that... It's Watford on uh, on Saturday, as Ben teased, uh, late night because it's on Sky. Everyone on Sky is going to get to see this game. They're going to be imagining what it was like last time this game happened on Sky and think, wow, <laughs> let's see that again. Well, the lights went out, didn't they? So, right. Well, yes. Yeah. 20 minutes extra coverage, <laughs> probably. Um, Watford and Ra- Ranieri was manager. I mean, yes. absolutely mind-blowing. They've literally... How many managers have they had since then? Well, <laughs> Hodgson, Hodgson, and then it was. Um, uh, then it was. Was there one between Hodgson and? Yeah, yeah, wasn't Ed? there? No, oh, no, no, Hodgson, 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 Hodgson um, then Rob Edwards, and now we're on Village. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> that was in they, January <laughs> <laughs> or February, even actually, I think, wasn't it? Is, is it working for them this time though? Been a bit ropey. They lost three one at Blackpool. We didn't do that. We won. <laughs> Where are they? 12th? And I've just written down because I looked at the championship table to do my well diligent then. research. Who and they've lost. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't tell you that. I'm looking at the bottom half of it, which is where Watford are. And they've uh, won once in their last five games. Mm. 
So they had what, which was the new manager bounce or, you know, the hammering of Stoke where we kind of were, well, myself thought, well, you know, this is it. This is Watford motoring now suddenly and they've lost their two games since then. And some of Billich's quotes after the Blackpool game were scathing. So, Ooh, um, can, can you pray see those? I've not really seen them. Well, it's something along, like, I, I wrote one down, it's about time we picked ourselves up and started working as a team, which in isolation doesn't actually sound that scathing, but it was part of a, um, I don't know, for him to be saying stuff like that when he's been there for three matches is, uh, you know, it's very Watford. <laughs> was it rant territory? Would you have labelled it a rant? I think it was. I think it was a yeah. rant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Love that. It, he was also already, game, he was already asked after the uh, that game about um, what does he think about uh, Watford's, um, uh, what's the word? Watford sacking their managers all the time. So after three matches and two defeats, he's already getting those I'm questions. Yes. Too true. I mean, the thing that people maybe don't, you know, even if they say they're giving, you know, good time to these guys, they 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 know they might get sacked when they take the job on, and they also probably have got pretty decent payoffs. So yeah. uh, I suppose any manager taking that job is is probably eyes open to what is actually going to happen. Exactly. People always say, "Oh, why do, why do managers take these jobs?" But it's like, well, I can think of one massive pay rise, big, <laughs> one big reason. Rob Edwards <laughs> will get a decent job, I think, if he hasn't already, you know agreed to one i don't know he's probably quite close to getting mm. one anyway but there we go um are, are watford proper rivals zoe for promotion or can we should we just uh, yeah what, what, you know we could do what the uh, norwich city twitter feed did like ahead of the preston game and go on about how something is you know they, they put a tweet out saying how the and maybe i shouldn't be doing this but they did they put a tweet out it was like a stat zone of all the reasons why norwich will win basically and i think everyone replied to it going uh, don't do that. And then obviously they lost. <laughs> so in this case, can we write off Watford for a promotion promotion push? I mean, it's all the wheel. What are they doing? Wheels all well, over the place. Everyone's taking it very seriously, obviously, uh, because it's Watford and everyone assumed that, you know, they'd be one of our our big rivals for promotion. But at the moment, they aren't doing very well. Um, and in comparison, we are apparently doing quite well. <laughs> so we shouldn't, we shouldn't ignore that um, and we shouldn't go into it feeling like we shouldn't be quite capable of winning that game. Obviously, it's quite interesting, I suppose, in that certainly last time we won um, the championship, we were in cruise control over most of the teams, but there was a bit of a question mark over um, perhaps our results against our closest rivals and Watford were one of them. so maybe this year we're going to do it differently and we're going to beat our closest rivals um, and not drop any of the points to those clubs, but it will be the Prestons of this world and the Wiggins of this world where we do drop points. So I'm going into it full of confidence. I will be holding the memory of Josh Sargent um, and the only good thing that happened last year um, very close to me and expecting exactly the same thing to happen again, except it won't be such a surprise this time. <laughs> so. <laughs> that was by some distance the best moment last season, wasn't it? Mm. That, that Watford game. Yeah. And it's magic. Jamie Carragher <clears throat> clearly was uh, probably quite outraged that he'd been sent there to do that game at the start of the match and then was so surprised that he was enjoying it. By the end, just could not stop laughing and having a great time. Was having uh, your wife banter with uh, Josh Sargent in the uh, interview at the end it was he was just I think he was just so shocked that he'd had a good time that um he couldn't help himself he he, he was almost channeling the uh, energy of the Norwich crowd I thought because the way he laughed at his joke was just like <laughs> sort of yeah quite manic so there we go well you know um hopefully Jamie Carragher will be there on set I can't imagine he'll have anywhere better else better to be would he is there? I don't know. I don't know what the Premier League fixtures are. Um, well, uh, who are not? Let's say who are not going to play. What? What? As in, I know it's Watford. Like as in the team. I mean, do we start Kenny McLean at, at left back? What formation do we play, Dan? You've already said too many formations. It so really it down, Dean. Really depends on what outfit he's wearing at the start of the game. That's when we know yeah. what formation they're going to play. We've okay. been through this. Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I well. Well, start with the outfit and then take us through the whole rest of the process. A bit of it depends on Byron, right? Uh, Is he going to be fit? (laughs) (laughs) Is is Byron going to be fit for it? Because that kind of forces your midfield, doesn't it? If Kenny plays left 
uh, left back, then it forces your midfield and probably means uh, you have Gibbs, Nunes and Sarah in there. Um, if, he I imagine, fit, I, if he was fit, would you still start Kenny at left back? Yes, probably, yeah. yeah I think so, after that yeah. performance, yeah. Um, I, I imagine after conceding three goals at home in the way we did, we'll probably look for a bit more control. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that means to Dean Smith in terms of how he sets up. I don't mean that disparagingly. I just I just don't quite know what he thinks, what formation brings the most control. And I think as it's Watford as well, we'll probably be looking to set up there solidly rather than uh, we probably won't see Todd Campbell coming in. We probably won't see Sonani starting. I imagine we'll see a very similar starting 11 um, to Saturday and probably playing a little bit uh, deeper, less high up the pitch. Awesomes, awesomes. Um, ben, what would you do? I think he might play Cantwell, actually. I think he might take Ramsey out, um, go to 4-3-3 and play uh, Sergeant on the right and Todd on the left. Oh, Todd Cantwell back, Zoe. That'd be nice for him, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Something needs to happen. I was thinking this before when we were talking about the Preston game and Cruel as well, something needs to happen in terms of a an individual performance or a team performance that gets everybody sort of up on their feet. And I was thinking during the game on, <clears throat> on Saturday when we just equalised and was thinking, oh God, well, we're definitely going to win this now and thinking this is what the season needs because <clears throat> this has been tough you know, we've we've had a bit of excitement. It's, you know, we're going to come back for this scorer, 89th minute winner, and it'll be, all be fine. Um, that obviously didn't happen. But it doesn't feel like we need, and, you know, like that Sergeant performance at Watford last season, that sort of bit of individual brilliance, uh, you know, someone absolutely bossing a game, a goalkeeper having, you know, an absolute blinder just to, just to get everybody sort of a bit more inspired, a bit more united, even even having a big scrap might might help. <laughs> you know, just you know, someone flies in with an awful tackle and everyone just go in for it for a bit. Might just get you know the fans up for it. Everybody sort of a bit more together, understanding what it is that we're all working for. And I think some of the, <clears throat> I guess, the confusion that a lot of us are feeling about sort of this season and you know maybe that end goal isn't actually the sort of pot of gold that we've all all wanted um like it's felt in the past um so maybe it is that sometimes we're not all sure what what we're hoping the outcome is going to be um but I feel like if we had something just to sort of tie us all together you know you don't necessarily need to be thinking like what's going to happen in May and what's going to happen next season and everything like that. But just remembering how to really enjoy games again. Um, and I think, I think that's what we haven't quite had is that inspirational moment this season. Um, and perhaps it will come in that slightly bigger kind of game, um, you know, against a bigger team, against the people that we really want to be beating. Um, and so fingers crossed, that's what we get. Here's to the massive scrap. It's going to be great. Um, well, it's going to be a Although cracking Spaven game. Spaven is Watford's manager, so I would be <laughs> careful. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With scraps. You, you and Adam Leventhal, Michael? Bit of a scrap? Let's get that no, I just give him a massive hug. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's just the most lovely man. He did, does, did, does dish out a bit of stick, though. I, I remember after said 3-0 win at Vicarage Road, him kind of occasionally banging his desk by the end, incredulous that a team of Norwich's quality had arrived at Vicarage Road and won 3-0. <laughs> but that might have just been because he, he knew he was probably going to have to write another managerial obituary, <laughs> of which I think he's written more in the last two years than I've written in my life. So, uh, yeah, I could understand that as well. I think it's lovely to see him. Fairly sure this is public knowledge, but Adam Leventhal was punched by an England cricketer, a current playing England cricketer. You're pretty sure that that's in which pretty cricketer? Sure. Are we allowed to say that? Um, prob I'll probably I'll probably back off there. 
massive unanswered question one one that you probably wouldn't expect to get violent right well i mean i don't know well, it's only, I was gonna which say ones would a, you expect to get violent Dan? it's Johnny a Bear, handful though. of violent <laughs> <laughs> Well, suggestions. Um, That's something to chat about with Adam on Saturday when yeah, you see him. Yeah. Uh, suggestions on Twitter. Don't don't attach them to this podcast, but just put them in <laughs> tweets and we'll, we'll find them. Um, right. Well, yes, I, I look forward to speaking to Adam about that. Uh, okay. Well, and I look forward to Saturday, which will be a, a wonderful game. We've got a few more comments, uh, but also Kenny, other business, anyone? Kenny, other business? Any, Kenny, Kenny, other business, anyone? Uh, what else have I got here? Uh, just to rattle through a few of these after we've retired Tim Krull and removed <laughs> Temu Pukki. Uh, Marco Tony, news about John Rowe. Um, I think he's still a way off returning and they're trying to give him a lot of time because it's a stress-related injury. So uh, keep patient, I would probably say, with that. So no is actually probably the answer. Um is there any team in the championship this year that you can envisage having a realistic chance of surviving in the Premier League? No, no one at all. But we haven't seen um, Sheffield United yet, although they've not been very good since the international break, by all accounts. So um, no is the answer to that. The gulf is vast. Good luck to anyone. Uh, Stephen Stibbons, Carlton Morris was never given his chance at City. Shame, he is a unit. <laughs> it's a shame he is a unit. Shame he is a unit. It's a good point, though. He didn't really get that chance. Uh, I guess those are no to say. No, but wasn't. the thing is, like, I don't know. Some some people just it just doesn't work out, right? Like, it's like people when Toffolo signed for Forest, like, oh, you know, he should have been given more of a chance here, but it wasn't right at the time. And his his journey to get to where he is now, you know, he had to leave Norwich. And I think with youth development, that's a big part of it. It's not just about creating players for mm. Norwich City's first team. There are only eleven places in Norwich City's first team. There are lots of other places available at other clubs. And I'm sure Carlton Morris holds no grudges at all about his time at Norwich. Um, and he's doing well. Good luck to him. Yeah, shame he's a, a unit, though. It's a shame <laughs> he is a unit. Often, often timing timing is the issue. Timing is the issue. Um, and Ed Ivans, the defence problem has been there for years since Alex Tetty has left the club. Tetty used to break up play. We don't have that sort of play at City. Well, we did for a brief time. But he wasn't our player. <laughs> so uh, there goes my... And, I mean, we do have somebody who was brought in to do that job. But Soon, Ben. Seen, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen him. I've seen did him he, now. Did he look good, Michael? Did he, he look like he could like break he up was, play? He looked like he was on a pitch with a football. So Were they... Um, it's a small-sided pitch, where it's like kind of a 2-3v3 small-sided game. So... Oh, the game! So there was contacts and stuff as well. Nah, they were. They were. It was. It, it was a low intensity training session. I would say, from all my vast experience of <laughs> professional training <laughs> sessions, don't get me started on that. Uh, right. In that case, um, I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we're done for another on the ball. The Norwich City podcast that knows exactly where to park when it gets to Watford. Uh, if you yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we are streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. So have a search and I'm sure you'll find them. Uh, ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. As for this evening, a big thank you to our guests tonight. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks to everyone. It's been good fun. I'm glad you've enjoyed it, Ben. Uh, Dan, thank you for for stepping in. Uh, uh, for Steve, get well soon, Steve. Thanks, Dan. Um, also, what was your favourite number? Oh, uh, uh, 99.94, which is another cricket nerd thing. If you know your cricket, you know that number. Right. Or Google it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so... What's like, your favourite uh, number, Michael? Oh, I don't know, seven. I mean... Um, <laughs> uh, what, Big fan what? of the film? <laughs> I don't think I've seen the film. Wow. I don't think <laughs> Me so. neither. Maybe I have one. I can't remember. Um, uh, not why 99.9? I assume it's like an average. Or it must be an average of something. It's Don Bradman's test batting average, which is the highest test batting average of all time. And if he'd scored four runs in his final ever innings, he would have averaged 100. 
yeah. but he was he was out for a duck and average 99.94 that's poor in the end then really isn't it and um, the next highest average is in the 60s so it's that was going to be my next question wow there we go yeah it's quite good then don yeah yeah you could play could That's i ask cricket. a um oh. a quick number related question as long as uh, it's not about cricket it's fine no yeah. no it's football related so Excellent. um yes. yeah very much on on brand um official club merchandise uh whenever you buy a mug or anything with a specific player on it with their face it always has their squad number on that piece of merchandise I, i've got a timu puki mug i've got a todd campwell mug even got the and I've got a special edition uh, Alex Tetty mug after he'd left uh, as like a tribute mug. Oh, got his number. Got his number on it. They've all got their numbers on. Why do we need to know their squad number when we're having a cup of tea? That's what I want to know. Wow, it's branding, I suppose, isn't it? Personal is branding. It, you, could li- you could line them up in formation. <laughs> <laughs> you bought enough of them. <laughs> Are the mugs more expensive if they're a bigger, a higher squad number? <laughs> You're paying per number. Yeah, indeed. Zoe, can I ask how, how the numbers are designed onto the mugs? Is there like a little shirt with a number on it? Because then it would make more sense. No, it, like I, it's different every time, but sometimes it's just like just sort of little written next to their name. It, yeah, not necessarily on a shirt. It's sort well, of, it's on. always it's always woven into the design. This is weird. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on, two seconds. This is uh, this is I have on my, my I have no, no, I have on my desk number, number seven mug. I have on my desk my <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my mug, which has got my squad number on of fourteen. <laughs> See that where is it? There, there, there is it. See, maybe fourteen. I don't know why. I don't know why it's got fourteen on it. Because he, so that, apparently, do you drink from a mug with your own name on it all the time? In fact, I can't not drink from a mug without my name on it. I, I, I think a psychologist would have stuff to say about that. It's like you know, Lee Rosano with a tattoo of himself on his back. <laughs> I don't think I've ever drunk from it. So there we go. It's got dust in it. But I love it all the same. Right. Uh, this was the middle of the goodbye, wasn't it? So, um, yes, Zoe, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. Look at that. Um, uh, right. Uh, we'll be back next week, next Monday, in fact for another, a fresh bout of Canary's Capers, when I think Steve will be hosting, all being well. Uh, I guess I'll still be on the pod. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, we'll be then. <laughs> we'll be back then next week. For, for well, How did it go? Yeah, we'll be back next Monday for a fresh bout of Canary's Capers and another edition of On the Ball. Until then, never mind the danger. <laughs>